You are listening to the Business Wilderness, the voice of entrepreneurs. Welcome to the Business Wilderness. My name is Amr Wulmi and today I have a very special guest with me, Mr. Tashi Dorji. Tashi, how are you? I'm very good, thanks, man. How are you doing? Very well, thank you. Thank you for taking the time to join me. Um, Tashi, take us back in time. Where did it all begin for you? <laughs> oh, we're going, we're going to take the time machine on this one. I like it. Um, <laughs> so, for me, on a personal perspective, before even this startup, Two Space, um, I've always been an entrepreneur, so straight out of uni, I studied biomedical engineering, realized it wasn't my passion, and went and started a company with my cousin and his business partner, um, which was environmental finance or rainforest protection, because I've always had this passion for sustainability and the environment and animals. So we did that for a long time, and, and that kind of took me to Singapore, even though I was originally born in Australia. Wow. And that... And that kind of started my journey into, um, back then I didn't know what an entrepreneur was or what a startup was. To me, we were just trying to run our own business. But now I realize that's essentially what we were doing um, because my passion for sustainability and the environment kind of built this roadmap for me to always work on projects like that. Yeah. Because essentially what happens um, soon after, when I did work in technology, um, our company spearheaded uh, Google Glass in Southeast Asia when it was a thing. I mean, it's not really anymore, but we were doing glass, so augmented reality on a B2B scale, business to business. So we were selling it to tourist companies and developing apps for that. And then we even tried to launch a condom company, but with a sustainability angle, like one for one, because we had a partnership with the United Nations Health Development Fund. So every packet of condoms, buy from us we give one away for free through their platform wow been involved in this that does good whether it be from a sustainability perspective or a sharing perspective so fast forward to 19 months ago when we launched two space um, I guess that kind of was born because of this passion of sharing and underutilized space and how is it going to waste with it's a commodity that we're running out of. Um, my business partner, Rob Walker, and I, we normally would catch up every now and then for dinners because we worked in previous businesses yonks ago in Asia. Um, we were actually in a restaurant and it was dead empty and we were kind of doing a, a lunch meeting and it dawned on us. It was like, it was around the time where City of Sydney had their tech action plan for 2017 on the table and they had three pillars that they really needed address and one of the pillars was access to office space and co-working spaces um, and then at the same time within Sydney where we first launched our first location there was this huge push for lockout laws and and how venues were closing down because their foot traffic numbers were declining because of this culture shift of of these evening venues not being able to trade enough so we just had a light bulb moment where we were like well we're doing a meeting in this empty restaurant um, there's so many venues out there that are leased and only open, you know, half the time that they're leased for, like in the evenings from 6 p.m. or even only on weekends, certain venues. So why don't we figure out a way how to take these places which are already furnished in such 
you know, gorgeous interior designs and have architecture that's inspiring a lot of the time and leverage those to kind of turn into co-working, very flexible office spaces because there's a huge shift to freelancers, digital nomads, entrepreneurs. I mean, the numbers are staggering. So why not utilize something that's already there? And then it's win-win for everyone because then you suddenly have this demographic of early stage startups, freelancers, people who can't come into offices, getting an affordable subscription to two space to a um, to these kind of venues, and then the venues benefit because suddenly their venues are filled with people who will eventually buy food and drinks, but they also get um, a revenue share of you know the revenue that we generate from leveraging their space as an office space. So um, it's interesting how the journey of sharing and sustainability took me from rainforests to co-working, but it's been a pretty amazing um, journey so far. So can't complain at all. Sounds amazing. I mean, we do live in a uh, sharing economy. Everything's being shared and everything's been utilized and resources are probably the most they've been uh, effectively and efficiently been used really because there's been, we people have come up, entrepreneurs like yourself have come up with solutions for everything that was being wasted or everything that was just sitting there and not being used really. So Absolutely. it's great to hear. So tell us a bit about Two Space and how you guys actually operate the company. Like, let's say I want a space from you guys. How, how do I acquire a space? How do I book in a space? How, uh, how much am I charged? So on and so on. Sure. So um, Two Space, when we first started, very simple model. Um, what we did from a product perspective is we took restaurants that were closed during the day. Um, so imagine one of your favorite restaurants that only trades at nighttime. Um, and we turned them into day office spaces, co-working spaces. So what that would look like is I would approach a venue that would have an amazing space, lots of desks and chairs, because we use the venues as is. We limit moving stuff around because it's all about making it seamless. We fit it with Wi-Fi because Optus was one of our early partners to help us with um, the Wi-Fi situation if a venue didn't have internet access. Nice. And then essentially what we would do is we'd activate the space by putting in a community manager um, to look after it, but also to welcome the freelancers and entrepreneurs coming in to help facilitate human interaction and that co-working feel. Because the whole concept was because we can open almost anywhere because we're not leasing these spaces, but we're leveraging existing real estate. Um, they're paying their lease off already as a hospitality venue, so they sometimes get the coolest spaces. Like we've got a space right on the beach in Manly and Bondi, which if you tried to open an office space on that real estate, it would cost you an arm and a leg. Whereas with us, because they're trading food and drinks and they're smashing it that way, when we come in during the day and we turn it into an office space, that revenue that we generate, which we give to the venue owners, is just cream on top, which allows us to be affordable. And Essentially what that means is just imagine if you take away the tech, the fancy buzzwords and everything away, and you just look at what two spaces, essentially what we're doing is we're taking all the brilliant people or the people who work from home or have great ideas in your local area, and instead of having them work from home on noisy cafes where they have to order like 10 coffees to sit there and still have the owner angry at them, we're putting them all into one really cool hub or location. That's normally a restaurant that's closed, but we turn it into a two-space branded hub location. And then they can all work from there. And in order for them to access it, it's an extremely affordable subscription, like a month-to-month -month flexible, affordable rate. 
because that's the demographic that we're we're building into a community, right? All the people who can't off- afford or want to commit to office leases or co-working, a traditional co-working, so they're forced to work from home or cafes. Um, and we put a price point in front of them that's, you know, if there's no reason why you shouldn't dip your toe into the community and the startup ecosystem. So that could range from $69 a month um, if you use it like once a week or up to $199 a month if you want unlimited access, which is about a quarter of the price of any traditional hot desk anywhere else. Wow. And what happens is the revenue that we generate off that per location we share with the venue. So suddenly the venue is um, generating revenue for the space when it's normally dead. But more importantly, what we've found through feedback since operating is that the venues appreciate their venue looking busy, the foot traffic, the awareness to a different demographic of people that they would never access normally because they're all entrepreneurs, freelancers that normally may never come to their location, who then start talking about it and sharing it. And obviously they like to talk about it because it's their office. And then having the advantage of being that cool restaurant in Manly or Bondi where, hey, guess what? Do you know Milky Lane or the neighborhood is a co-working space during the day? How, how crazy is that? So, yes, they get paid, but they really like the fact that they're getting all of this food traffic into their venue and then also have an opportunity to sell them food and drinks because two space members get discounts or they incentivize them with deals or they say, hey, at the end of the day, when it turns back into a bar or restaurant, the first drink's on us, so they stick around. Or on Thursdays, if we start showing them the data, hey, on Thursdays at your venue, we at least get 20 people in there. Maybe it makes sense to put a barista on for the whole day because you'll sell enough coffees and food to justify that and also make some money. Um, that's very, the kind of stuff that we bring to the table. Very, very nice. Very, very intelligent. Um, so you guys, when you first began, all right. How was it approaching those first couple of spaces, first couple of bars? What kind of feedback did you get from people? What kind of reactions? We, we got um, people liked the concept, but no one wanted to be the first mover. So <laughs> a lot of them were like, great idea, kiddo, but come back to me after you have a case study. Um, so we, the, the way it was funny is that I was lucky in the sense that my co-founder is a, a tech guy. He's our CTO. So even in a simple line of code, he jumped in Google Maps at the start. He essentially threw in a line of code within Sydney in a few areas that we wanted to target, which spat out all the venues that were closed till 5 or 6 p.m. So I'd essentially have this list on this map, and then just on Google Maps, I'd just start dropping pins and coloring them on the venues that I wanted. And then around between 4 and 5 p.m., I'd go door-to-door knocking because I grouped 10 of them within a two-kilometer radius that I could just bounce between to try and catch the general manager. And all of them were like, no. So we got up to like pretty much close to 300 venues that said no at the start because they were like, what about insurance? You know, why would I give you my space if I don't know who's coming in and I've got all this alcohol everywhere in furniture? What if someone breaks something or gets hurt? So obviously those are all issues, but much like anything to do with the sharing economy, that's always going to be an initial obstacle or education or understanding that needs to be overcome. So that was a huge issue there. Um, what eventually happened was on the 300th person that we spoke to, it really was, wasn't was necessarily ourselves that got it across the line. It was the nature of the owners. So the first venue we ever opened was Cassoni, which is a really gorgeous um, Italian restaurant owned by two really nice young owners, um, Jules Marchetto and Nathan Moses. And because they were like young and 
hungry and they've been running this menu for a while and they wanted to try something different, they were willing to take give it a shot. They're like, you know what, this sounds really cool, really great. We'll give you guys a month to kind of like try it out and test it out. Um, and, and because they liked the concept so much, they actually ended up using the space within the first month as well. And the funny thing is, is that both of them were working on their own side businesses on top of running a restaurant. So they actually started taking advantage of being able to network with these freelancers and startups that would come in that would do digital marketing or advertising that they could pick their brain. Or like, you know, some developers that they wanted because they were trying to build a, an app of their own to do with hospitality. Um, so it was extremely hard at the start to get venues. But all it took was that first one because with that first one, we grabbed it and we ran hard. So we brought on Optus as the main brand to do the Wi-Fi, which helped us in terms of credibility. Um, we got some press off the first launch. So we got Sydney Morning Herald and we got some startup press. And that, of course, helped validate the concept of the brand. And because after we started operating and once it started getting that recognition and branding behind it, that's when venue owners, it was almost like a stress test. They, they saw it and they're like, okay, it's being done. Okay, it's being written about. That's a great idea. And obviously, these two guys who started this company have thought about all the things that would have been initially my concerns, like insurance, operations, all that kind of stuff, cost, how much I'm going to pay, get paid. So I'm interested to do it. Whereas previously, when I would go door-to-door knocking and pitching an idea, even though it was a good idea, it seemed kind of crazy to them at the time. It'd be like, kind of imagine some of the most successful franchises or even movies now, if you tried to pitch it at the start. Like, if you think about Ninja Turtles and you tried to pitch that at the beginning as a movie show, you'd be like, just imagine if you had four teenagers who are turtles and their uncle is this giant rat. And there's this dude who's dressed in this ninja uniform that tries to kill him. It's going to be a great franchise. We're called Ninja Turtles. It's totally going to fly. It's like no one's going to listen to that and be like, that's incredible. They're all going to think you're kind of crazy. Yeah. So it, re- so it really took the first venue um, to come on board and then us leveraging it to get as much no- make as much noise as possible to almost have this false sense of branding that early on to get enough people on board to give us the opportunity to prove it, which we did by signing on more venues and operating and building the community and that kind of stuff. Amazing. Great, great story. Um, so it, it was a bit of a struggle, but now you guys are off the ground and things are happening and you've picked up some, you've picked up some momentum. Where are we going? What does the future hold? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, so like we're very lucky in the sense that um, sometimes it's like I know, people always say it, but it's so true in our case especially. The timing was just opportune for us. Even when we launched, it was around um, it was October, November, and it was perfect because it was around the time where a lot of conferences were being held. So I had the opportunity to pitch the concept and meet a lot of other CEOs of other companies, including co-working brands that are now partners to date. Slash, there were a lot of Christmas parties within the technology and the startup ecosystem. So I just find my way into these Christmas parties, which were a great way to network with people who all would come together in one spot that never normally would be together, and they'd all disperse into their own thing because they have their stuff to do during the year. But um, right now we're at that stage where, you know, 19 months ago we only had one location, and then we opened another one. But now the locations aren't the issue. We've got, you know, hundreds of venues applying every month. Um, we really are focusing on how to build that community and build the technology technology to connect everyone. 
So by the end of next financial year, we aim to have 100 locations and over 1,000 members. And then in the next five years, we aim to 10x that. And we are, we are able to do that with the strategic partnerships that we have to date. So rather than just work with individual restaurant owners, we have partnered with international hotel brands like the Obolo Group, um, TFE Hotels that used to be called Toga, some other really cool brands that we're talking to. Um, but then also from the tech perspective, we're working with um, you know, industry-leading co-working brands like Tankstream Labs because they understand that two-space and actually everyone within the co-working ecosystem, the big players, when they look at us, they understand that we're almost an accelerator for them. So we are, we're attracting this community and demographic of early-stage startups that aren't ready to commit to co-working, but then they find us as an option and we're almost introducing them to the concept of co-working and getting them to dip their toe into community and startups because of our price point. And then once they're ready to graduate and they get their team of five or six and they need something more permanent but they're generating enough revenue to spend on proper space, then we send them to Tankstream Labs or then we send them to another brand that we partner with. So there's no competition for us within the sense of other co-working brands right now because before us there was nothing available. It was... Essentially, people will work from cafes or home, but what we're doing now is bringing all those people together and creating a support system and community because now we're working on stuff like free legal accounting, software services, you know, access to events and other office spaces, mentorship, um, you know, access to programs that normally people would only get access to if they were part of a co-working space like the Amazon Activate program or the SendGrid or IBM Global Entrepreneur of the Year stuff. Um, it's one of those things where a lot it has a lot to do with education. So we're at that stage where we want to be international, we want to be global, because imagine if we're able to start connecting those early stage startups in Hong Kong or even in Melbourne to those in Sydney or Perth, Adelaide, Brisbane, you know, areas that have all been identified as tech hubs and startup hubs. We can start connecting them seamlessly through two space without them having to invest too much time, energy or money into you know, their office spaces are going. So at the end of the day, like, it doesn't matter how many spaces we open because we'll always measure our success by the number of members we have because we're more of a co-working community than a network of co-working spaces because it gets really sexy and exciting when you can start connecting people from different cities, different environments. Like, even on a very basic scale in Sydney, being able to connect that surfer dude in Bondi with that great idea to a developer in Potts Point or in Manly, when they would never meet because they're in their own bubbles and hubs, is already a huge win for us. So now we're, we're going to scale that and try and take that global so we can start connecting everyone to make a lot of ideas and stuff happen, like you know, get people excited to just dip their toe into this kind of um, community and, and give it a shot. So are you guys currently national? Yeah, so we're in Sydney, Melbourne. Um, we're opening in Canberra, Perth. Um, Brisbane, so I'm actually flying off to Brisbane next week for the MyRaid conference to do a pitch and also open our first space there with one of our real estate partners. But we should be in the next few months. Um, we've already got about um, over 25 venues in Sydney and Melbourne, but we'll be opening in Perth, Canberra, Brisbane, and Hong Kong in the next couple of months, and potentially Adelaide and Hobart. Um, but I need to finalize a few things for Adelaide and Hobart. But um, over the next year, our core focus is to activate Australia with a few <clears throat> international locations strategically in Hong Kong because we have 
a co-working partner there called Campfire, um, who has spaces already existing there. So it's, it makes it easier for us to build a community there because we can leverage their technology, their networks and stuff. But similarly, it's a symbiotic relationship because if you're co-working over a campfire in Hong Kong, suddenly your one space turns into 10 because we open nine others surrounding your, your area, but in really cool, funky restaurant and hotel lunges because we're not really limited by um, costs or anything. Well, wow, awesome. A lot happening, a lot of growth, a lot of success, and hopefully more to come. Tashi, thank you very much. Absolutely. I mean, uh, it's been an absolute amazing chat. Before I let you go, where, where can we find you online? Um, it's really simple, www.twospace.com. So that's T-W-O-S-P-A-C-E. And um, if, you, if you sign up for more info, you'll get all our newsletters and updates and stuff, but we always post social uh, venues coming up. Social, yeah. we, we just two space on Facebook, twospace.club on Instagram. Um, yeah, you can find us on that. All right, awesome. Tashi, thank you very much for joining me on the Business Wilderness. No, thank you for having me. Pleasure. You are listening to the Business Wilderness, the voice of entrepreneurs.